Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Hi, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. If you'd like to play golf, Magnolia Valley Golf Club is offering some specials this week. Give them a call up there at 727-847-2342. They have a 9-hole executive course, and they have an 18-hole par 72. And they've got great food on the 19th hole. So call my friend Pete at 727-847-2342. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and set the styling trend for an entire generation of cars. 1958, Thunderbird introduces the first four-passenger luxury car and popularizes bucket seats. Every year is witness to new refinements, new ideas. Every year adds new luster to Thunderbird's reputation. 1961, debut of an exciting new look, Thunderbird is reborn. 1962, another Thunderbird original, the sports roadster. Now, Thunderbird Landau, 1963. Imitated, yes, 
But no car can really match Thunderbird's very special kind of elegance. The personal console, the rich walnut-like paneling, and the swing-away steering wheel are all part of the magic that is Thunderbird. Others may try, but none can steal the thunder from Thunderbird. Thunderbird, unique in all the world. It's true. The new T-Bird's got four doors. Don't be ridiculous, Harry. I'm not, dear. All you got to do is count. Look. One. Two. Three. Four. See? Four doors and a Thunderbird. Ford has a better idea. Four doors and a Thunderbird. Welcome, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's ho, 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 Merry Christmas. And guess what? It's that time of the year. So, uh, hey, Cedric, how are you doing tonight? I'm in a very Merry Christmassy type mood. Good, good, and good. I'm not even going to say holidays or seasons, greetings, or any of that crap. No, that's good, because yeah. you're, you're a good Christian like I am. That's right. All right. Hey, All right. you know what? Now, if everybody wants to, they can run to their computer right now, and they can Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us sitting in the studio. I have a Christmas tree here with lights on it. I have some garnish on the back here, whatever they call that stuff, you know, that, that kind of green stuff, that kind of cool stuff, you know. And I'm wearing a Santa's hat. So, hey, couldn't be any more in the spirit than I am right now. But anyway, hey, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And uh, this is our second Christmas now, so we're doing pretty good. We've done over 80 shows now. I'm pretty uh, pretty thrilled with that. What do you think about that, Cedric? Wow, 80 shows already? That's great, man. Well, yeah, we've done 80 shows now. We've had some amazing guests. As a matter of fact, we have a very special guest this evening, another well-known individual who also has his own TV show. As soon as I bring up his name a little bit later, you'll know who I'm talking about. And uh, hence, the reason we played the Thunderbird commercials is because he's in the Thunderbird. So, uh we did that for him, and our first song that we're going to have queued up here is also one of his uh, requests. Right. Are we ready to go? We're ready to we go. We got it. Okay. And I wasn't here last Christmas. Well, you weren't here? Not, well, not yet. Just barely. No, just barely. Just barely. Okay. All anyway. Right. All right. Tune in. Here we go. Stuck inside, can't see the light. And my heaven is a nice house in the sky. I got central heating, and I'm alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't see the light. Keep it locked up inside. Don't talk about it. Talk about the weather.
Coast. This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, and nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. This is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Yes, you are. And Merry Christmas to everybody. You are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are back. And uh, we got a pretty good show tonight. Of course, we've uh, played a couple cool commercials, and we've had a cool song on. we got a couple more goodies for you. Anyway, hey, let me uh, do a little shout-out to a couple of my uh, good friends. Actually, you know what? I want to thank all the people that were involved in the show this year. I mean, we had some pretty cool guests. We've had some pretty decent sponsors. You know, Chris from uh, Crown Collective Cars, Mike Flynn from uh, uh, HollywoodCarAuctions.com, and then uh, I've got my friends down there, Forte's Automotive. Uh, the guys do excellent work on classic and collectible cars. I mean, they've been around for a long time. If you need your classic Mustang or any vintage car or your ski boat worked on, give them a call down there. The number is 727-544-6440. That's Forte's Inboard and Auto Repair on 66th Street, just North Pinellas Park in Largo there. Okay, cool place. That's 727-544-6440. And, of course, if you need a good quality, kind of a cool thing you know different you know kind of like a security car or an ex-cop car or a cop car utility vehicle you know as in a really stealth yukon or a gmc uh, suburban type vehicle or that just recently they had a really cool magnum wagon that was a uh, police option car so if you need a police option car for any reason just because you want something really cool and different or you need it because you're in the security business or your law enforcement give my friends at cop cars online a call at 727-536- Two six seven 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 two seven five three six two six seven seven. That's uh, Mark and John at Cop Cars Online, and I want to say special thanks to Dave and Lola. They're walking out the door right now with their two little doggies or three doggies. I'm not sure how many they got. But uh, we are kind of pet friendly here, aren't we? Uh, we're, pet, we're pet friendly, but oh. you know what? You know what? We are even more than we're pet friendly. What's up? We like uh, we like power tools and, and air guns. And we do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm yeah. still I'm still having a hard time on that Baymont one. It's, on that Baymont, okay. you know you know how you know how live radio is. Sometimes I, things are a little unpredictable. Anything's possible in live radio. That's true. And of course, I want to say special thanks to the guys over at the Rib Shack Barbecue. Merry Christmas to you guys because you've been great, treating me fair all year round. That's Corey, Jed, and uh, Gito, and all those guys down there, and Kirk and everybody. And of course, don't forget our friends over at Kotaka's Towing. I didn't have to use them this much this year because uh, I didn't break down as much, and nor did I lock my keys in my car like I typically do. So I didn't have to have them chase me down with a Slim Jim somewhere around Pinellas County. and uh, But Lefty and uh, Jody, yeah, I haven't used them so long. I, but uh, yeah, Joey and uh, Lefty, great uh, working with you guys. 
Merry Christmas to you guys. Our friends down at uh, Krabby's Beach Walk, that would be Turtle, Eddie, all the girls down there, Diane, Rocky, everybody down there. If you really want to have a good evening, go down on the weekend just before sunset, sit upstairs. It's a great place to just have a real nice little dinner and just kind of relax and then go for a walk on the beach. So uh, Krabby's Beach Walk Bar and Grill down in Clearwater Beach, okay? Go down there and check the place out, okay? They've even got Christmas lighting in there. So everybody's in the Christmas spirit, which is kind of cool. So I want to say thanks to everybody, and let's see. How are we doing there on our next little gizmo? Keep working. All right, I'm going to keep yakking. But anyway, hey, let's see. What do we do? Oh, yeah, guys, if you need your classic collectible car appraised, or if you're looking to buy something you need a pre-purchase inspection, feel free to give me a call at any time. You can call me at 727-541-1741. That's 727-541-1741. We can talk about collector cars, classic cars, all that kind of stuff. I've been in the business for, geez, over well, 30 years. been collecting since I was 16, so... I got a head start on most people, and keep in mind that I've been around this stuff for a long time, so I've wrenched on a lot of them. I've cut them up. I've balled them up. I've junked them, scrapped them, bought them, sold them. You name it, I've done just about everything with a classic collectible car. At any rate, um, hey, you know, we're getting down to the wire here. Why don't you go ahead and give our guest a call, too, and get him on standby, and uh, we'll play our little goodies that we yeah. got. Let's play. Him. Let's play the next the next track here. We got queued up. Oh, okay. I'm well, still working on that Baymont. We'll have to do it next week. Okay. Well, 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 next week. Yeah, next week. What we're going to do is we're going to do an open show. We're going to do a little bit of a tribute show to one of our friends. And uh, so I'm going to have a, just a casual kind of. Uh, I'm going to have Alan come in, sit in with us. I might have Kenny stop by. I might have uh, Yogi stop by, and just some of the local guys that we kind of pally wally oh. with. And uh, so we'll just do. Uh, There it is. Hey, it's the pet-friendly, nostalgic radio cars here at the WTAN (laughs) AM radio studio. Okay. Here, doggy. Come on. Here, boy. Here, boy. Come on. No, you got to stay outside because if you come in here, you're going to jump up on us and knock the microphone down. (laughs) Knock the the Christmas tree over. Knock the Christmas tree over. Well, he might use the Christmas tree for something else. So, you know, because he loves to chew on things. So, I know where you were going. (laughs) Okay. But anyway, yeah, let's go ahead and fire up that next little ditty and get ready for our special guest for the evening. Too 
Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You're putting me on. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. Do you also say Froderick? No, Frederick. Well, why isn't it Froderick Frankenstein? It isn't. It's Frederick Frankenstein. I see. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. But they told me it was Igor. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? Uh, you were sent by Herr Falkstein, weren't you? Yes. My grandfather used to work for your grandfather. <laughs> How nice. Of course, the rates have gone up. Of course. Of course. I'm sure we'll get along splendidly. Oh, sorry. I, uh, you know, I don't mean to embarrass you, but I'm a rather brilliant surgeon. Perhaps I could help you with that hump. What hump? Let's go. Allow me, master. Oh, thanks very much. Walk this way. This way. I think you'll be more comfortable in the rear. Oh. Oof! What was that? Oh, that'll be Inga. Herr Falkstein thought you might need a laboratory assistant temporarily. Oh. Oof! Hello. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? It's fun! Roll, roll, roll in the hay! Oh. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And uh, he's a very popular guy, very well-known guy, host of one of the longest-running TV shows on Speed, formerly Speed Channel. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening the host of My Classic Car, Dennis Gage. Dennis, are you there? Uh, indeed I am, Robert. How are you doing, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. So uh, how, how classic you stuff leading into this, uh, you know, certainly uh, Peter Gabriel, always a favorite, but then great lines from Young Frankenstein, one of the one of the best movies ever produced, I think, uh, in the humor category. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And, and, and you had to have an intellectual sense of humor to understand it, because you had to read between the lines. You really did. You know, it's funny, because my, my kids all kind of grew up with that movie, um, and it, it's hilarious, because they were they were into it at, very, at a very young age. But it is. It's uh, that is a funny movie. Well, you had also introduced, uh, indicated to me that you're a big Mel Brooks fan, and of course, I first became aware of Mel Brooks back in the '60s because he was a producer of uh, Get Smart. And of course, if you're a car enthusiast, right. yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of <laughs> my introduction. Well, he he also did. I mean, certainly he was really kind of a stand-up guy. If you go clear back to the Jack Parr days. Oh, really. Uh, you know, and in the Tonight Show, the original Tonight Show, I mean, Mel Brooks even really did stand-up comedy. Um, very funny guy. So he was a comedian then, before yeah, he was a yeah. uh, producer and a writer, a writer and producer. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about Dennis Gage. How did Dennis Gage get into uh, TV? Now, I know a little bit about you. I know you, uh, you're you from northern Illinois, or northwest Illinois, correct? Right, right. Very northwestern corner up by Wisconsin and Iowa. Okay. And you're a Ph.D. in chemistry, correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably the most needlessly overeducated person in television. <laughs> well, it paid off for you, though, you know, because uh, tell us a little bit about Procter & Gamble and tell us a little bit about the association with Pringles, because it seemed you, you bear a striking resemblance to the guy in the, uh, the little box. I do, I do. Um, well, let's see, I, you know, I, uh, I, I did my graduate work, and... Uh, and I always figured I was going to kind of go the academic route, you know, be a professor or whatever. But they're just, I did pretty expensive research. And uh, I was coming out of grad school in the early 80s, and, and funding was being slashed left and right at, at, at universities. And it's just, I thought, man, I could go to a university and kind of dig and scratch for the paltry research dollars that are out there. I could go into industry and, you know, make a decent amount of money and, and have all the, uh, you know, the equipment and the, the resources that that I need to do the kind of stuff that I do, or I did. And uh, so I, I interviewed a number of places. I interviewed P&G, and it was funny because I didn't know much about Procter & Gamble at the time, and I I almost took the uh, the interview, you know, for practice, and it, it, and then it just, uh, the company just blew me away. I mean, it's really an amazing company. Probably it's still one of the, 
like top 20 most admired companies in the world and uh it, you know like perennially and it is a great place and i went there as, as kind of a pure scientist but um uh, pretty quickly evolved into product development. And I worked on the Pringles brand for like uh, six years. And, uh, you know, and it was it's funny because everybody, you know, the, and the urban legend is, of course, that that's me on the can. The handlebar mustachioed man is, in fact, me. Um, but really the logo predates me. Uh, but, but it was just fate that I would look like this and work on the brand. And, it, you know, what I always tell people is I'm the product guy. So I actually created the products. Um, so, so I'm actually in the can, not on the can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I did, uh, I did that for, uh, that brand for six years and actually did, uh, there was a short lived corn Pringle, uh, and that was my product that I took from concept all the way to starting the plant up and it was really quite an experience. So it was, it was a good time. I, I, I really enjoyed, uh, I like science and I had a good time doing it. Uh, went from there to do uh, five years at Procter. From Procter and Gamble, I went to Bristol Myers Squibb, and I was there as kind of head of product development for one of their companies, and uh, you know had a roving ambassador position, kind of traveled all over the world, and because I was a I was a scientist, but I had good marketing background, and and so I kind of spoke both languages, and uh, and it, you know and and that was a great experience. But after about fifteen years total of corporate R and D, it was. You know, I'd kind of done what I'd wanted to do and a little bit burned out. And I was actually in Bangkok, Thailand when I resigned and uh, from from Bristol-Myers Squibb. And, and you know, uh, wasn't even sure how I was getting back to the U.S., as a matter of fact. But I got back and and had been playing with this TV show on the side for the, for at, at the same time. This was in 1995, I guess. And I had been doing the, the Bristol-Myers thing and the TV thing. And uh, I thought, you know, there's, there's no better time in my life if I'm going to take a, a leap to take it right now. And I did, and that was uh, that was actually like 16 or 17 years ago, 17 years ago. Um, and 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 I always, you know, it's funny, Robert. I always thought I'd tell my grandchildren, you, you know, I, I did a television pilot once, and they go, Grandpa, please, not the television pilot story again. Um, <laughs> But it, but it took you know the show took off and we're now you know pushing 300 episodes and been doing it. Uh, we're just about to start production for the 17th season. Now you are a car guy. I mean, there's you know. oh yeah, you know. I mean, I grew up. I mean, I I, I grew up in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I mean, if you weren't paying attention to cars then, I don't know what you were paying attention to. I mean, it's the. I mean, it was the, you know, the dawn of the muscle car era where. Mm-hmm. You know the big three. Uh, you know, finally they were looking. They were looking to sell more cars, and they found a, a consumer segment that that hadn't really been marketed to very well, and that was the youth segment. And so, you know, they they found this consumer need, which was the need for speed, and they, you know they slapped big engines and grocery getter sedans, and poof, you had a muscle car. And man, I mean, I mean, it was just that's they. they roamed the earth and they ruled the streets back then and that's uh that was a great era to grow up in so yeah i i uh you know my first car was a 59 t-bird that i bought for 100 bucks um and i uh, drove a, a 67 gto through the latter part of high school and and uh you know and then many 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 cars since then but yeah i've always been a car guy so even when i was doing the science thing i was i was still you know i still was playing with cars on the side did you um, how did, how did the show concept come to fruition? Now you mentioned that while you were working at Squib, you kind of dabbled a little bit in the car. How did the car thing come about for you? How that uh... Uh, it, was, it was kind of a weird accident um, that uh, uh, a, a local guy uh, who had been a, a TV producer locally had worked for the TV stations. And had uh, you know quit his day job to launch his own company, his own production company, and had an idea for a show, um, but he you know he couldn't he couldn't find a host for it. He had you know he had doing this national search, and he'd find all these TV guys that didn't know anything about cars, and all these car guys that couldn't string two words together into a sentence. And we had kind of a chance meeting because he was he was looking to do a local commercial that needed. 
uh, a, a character that, that had sort of a turn-of-the-century scholar look, which I was sort of sporting with the handlebar mustache and everything. So, you know, in, in kind of this weird uh, twist of fate, I, I had the chance to do this local commercial, and I got called by this local agency, and they said, hey, you know, this guy saw your picture, and I'd love to have you in the spot. Uh, you know, it pays $25. I was like, whoa, you know, $25. Uh, but I, you know, I did it and that's how I met him. And, uh, and I was, you know, I mean, it had nothing to do with the show. It had nothing to do with cars. It was just the look that I had. And, uh, you know, we got talking about cars and stuff and he learned that I was a car guy. And, and, uh, uh, so we, you know, he said, look, we survived the commercial shoot. Let's do a, you know, a camera test to see if you can do this car thing. I said, yeah, sure. Fine. I had a good day job. Um, so we did that, and you know that that went pretty well. We aired the thing locally, uh, and people went nuts over it. And we took that uh, that data and, and, the, and the, that pilot episode uh, down to TNN back in the day when there was a TNN, the National Network, um, and that's where the show started back in like 1996. And uh, they they liked it. They you know they were like I don't know who this Gage guy is, but you know we'll we'll, we'll give it a try. And they did a three-episode pilot series, and that's what launched the launched the show. Back in those days, Robert, you could do that. I mean, there really were independent networks, and there were independent production companies. I mean, there were things like TNN and Speed Vision, and you know, these were all little independent networks that had the airtime, but didn't have any money for programming. So you you know you work out deals and barter deals and stuff, and you get on the air, and you could you could do deals like that back then. But now all those networks have been snapped up, and so. You know, I'm not dealing with TNN or Speed Vision. I'm de- dealing with Viacom and with News Corp and multi-billion-dollar companies. When you're trying to do your deals now, it's a lot trickier. Um, now, what, your first show, um, what was the the content of it? What, what was the uh, what was the storyline? I mean, what'd you do basically? Well, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because the the show hasn't really changed much uh, from the very first days. I think in the first episode. Um, we did a uh, we did we went down to the Corvette Museum in Bowling Green. We did a little piece on the Corvette Museum. Um, we uh, I got a chance to this this was wild. This was the first episode, the first official episode we ever really shot, and I got a chance to to be in an actual 427, a real 427 competition Cobra. Really. Um, which was just amazing. I mean, it was like you know, like a dream come true. It was, you know, this thing like shook the earth. You know, uh, when it fired up, it was just it was it was amazing. So we and, and then there was kind of a there was a, a little how to piece in there too. So I mean, really, the format was you know the same uh, in the earliest days that it really is now. You know, we uh, now it's, it's most a little bit now. Um, every other episode, I'm at some event. You know, some car show someplace. And then alternate weeks, we do what we call a feature. And I'm with somebody that either has a collection or he's got a couple interesting cars, he or she. And and, uh, and we just toggle back and forth. We travel, you know, incessantly. We've shot in all 50 states, uh, six of the ten Canadian provinces, four European, five European countries. We shot in Sweden this year. Um so I mean, it's just—it's just been amazing. It's just been an amazing ride. Now, do you is do you, uh, does do you own the show and then have to sell your own marketing and stuff, or do you are you basically talent for hire? How does that work with with your show? Because I know no, some... I, I own the show. I, okay. own the, I actually own the production company. I was uh, the, uh, I became uh, the, the the guy that I referenced before the the guy that had the original idea for the show, and I were business partners for about fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And because I, I basically, you know, I funded the uh, the launch of the company and the launch of, of the show. It was, you know, we were trying to get a small business loan, and we couldn't get it without the signed contract, which was going to be here in a week or be here in two weeks. You know, it, kept, it was going to come. It was going to come. And I ended up taking out a second mortgage on my house to, to fund the first uh, full season of the show, and, which it turns out almost didn't happen because of budget cuts. And I would have had the most expensive home movies um, <laughs> ever, ever made, and no home to watch them in. Um, but it actually, it worked out. And then a couple of years ago, I bought out my partner. Um, so I actually own the production company, and it's 
and it's it's uh, named Mad Stash uh-huh. Inc. And you know, Mad Stash General, where that comes from. Um, and uh, I own the show, so we're you know truly an independent uh, entity. And it's kind of nice because it's not work for hire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know it's something that we've got a lot more control over. Uh, there's a lot more risk because if you're not able to you know do the ad sales and everything like that, you don't eat. Right. Um, but there's a, there's a you have a greater upside potential. You know if you're willing to take that risk and you believe in the show, um, and it's and it's worked out. It's worked out really well. Now, you some of the shows that you've done, do you have a preference as opposed to uh, covering, let's say, like car shows or sitting in someone's private collection and having a conversation with them and talking about the cars? Now, I know there's one episode that I watched where you were overseas, and I think you were in the U.K., and then another time I saw you were with a guy that had a collection of, I believe it was F1 car or Formula One cars or Formula-style cars, and he might have been yeah. in Australia. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think where that was. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference. I mean, like I said, every fifty percent of the episodes are at car shows. Fifty percent of the episodes are at uh, at you know individuals and collections. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really love it all. I mean, I'm in I'm in the perfect I'm, I'm the perfect person for this job because I really there's something in absolutely every car that I find that fascinates me. You know, I'm, I'm actually I'm still searching for it in the Yugo, but but beyond the Yugo, I mean, there's really something in every car that I find fascinating, and everybody goes, well, what's your favorite car, you know, uh, and it's the one with the four wheels and the internal combustion engine, you know, I mean, I just, I dig them all, and that's, and, and I like offbeat stuff, I like, uh, uh, you know, kind of oddball stuff, and, it, and, and, and that's something that has sort of evolved, because, you know, I've been doing this so long, I've sort of been Cuda Camaro Mustang to death to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And while I love those cars, I, there's a whole lot of other cars out there, a lot that people didn't know much about or had forgotten about or, you know, weren't necessarily that cool in their day. But if you really kind of look at it, it really is now. And, you know, Jay Leno is a good friend of mine and has been on the show like 30 times over the years. Um, and... And he, the reason he likes the show is exactly that reason, because he likes offbeat stuff, too. And he knows he can tune into the show, and he'll see something that's kind of interesting uh, and kind of different. And if you don't happen to like that thing, just wait a minute, because there'll be something else on in a minute. You know, so uh, it's, I think it's the diversity of the show that's uh, made it as strong as it is. And the fact that we're everywhere, and it's very much an everyman show. Anybody could end up on this show. I'm, and I'm just a regular guy. You know, I mean, I'm... Uh, you know what you see is what you get. Uh, what I appear to be on TV is who I am because it's all I know how to be. Um, and fortunately, it works. Uh, so it's you know it's, it's it's I've got every I've got every car guy's dream job, and I do. You, <laughs> I mean, I, you know I what? Every you, car guy's dream job. You definitely do. There's no question about that. <laughs> no yeah. question about that. Well, tell me this now. I uh, you've been to a lot of collections, and would it be fair to say that Jay Leno probably has Probably one of the most outstanding and most eclectic car collections that you've seen. Well, I mean, Jay's got a lot of really amazing stuff, and, he, and he's a fascinating guy. And he's into you know not just cars, but you know big, you know ma- massive steam engines and traction engines and one hit engines, uh, these uh, these hit and miss engines, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's a, it's an amazing collection. But I tell you, uh, Robert, I mean, there's some. <laughs> I mean, just this year, I've been in some collections just absolutely blew me away. I mean, it was like, you know, Leno's got to see this. You know, the, uh, Jack Rich out in Rockville, uh, Pennsylvania. Phenomenal um, collection. Uh, uh, Clem Longy in, in little old uh, uh, Ferdinand, Indiana. Phenomenal collection. There's just, there's just a lot of cool stuff out there. Let me ask you this. Now, you've been to Europe on a number of occasions, and yeah. how do the Europeans, how do you feel their perception, their their their, uh, their commitment, their love, their passion for cars compared to us as Americans? Would you say it's just as equally as strong? It's just that they just have different cars? Uh, well, yeah, I, I actually think I think North Americans are, are somewhat unique. I mean, we're it's so emotionally based for us. It's so right-brained uh, and experiential. You know, the, the Europeans tend to be a little bit more analytical about it, mm-hmm. you know, particularly the Germans or, you know, or, or you know, the British or something. It's, it's a little bit more, you know, they, they appreciate the, 
mechanical you know, aspect the cars for the art or for the engineering or whatever mm-hmm. i mean we're very passionate about them on a, on a very emotional level um but what i will say when i was in uh sweden this year i was pretty surprised how intense it is there and they really really love american cars and particularly you know these big boats of the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. um and, and they import between five and six thousand cars a year of that era of American cars. So that's where, and, and many of the best cars are actually over in Sweden. Uh, and they got fantastic restorers over there. I mean, some of these craftsmen are, are incredible. And you find when you, it's funny because you find you look around. A lot of the best shops in the U.S. have Swedish people working in there. These people are real craftsmen. Um, and, and they're really into it. The Swedes, the Norwegians are really into it. But I, but, but I still say North Americans, and I, and, I, and I include Canadians in that, we're just, we're so passionate about it, and it's so emotionally based. And I think that's because, it's, you know, it's such a part of our fabric, because this is such a huge continent. And you had to have personal transportation. There wasn't, you know, Europe is very established. It's not very big, frankly. And so, you know, you had public transportation or rail or whatever. You just didn't have it in the U.S. And you had to have personal transportation. And that's why they hung horse thieves, because don't be messing with my personal transportation, you know. Um, and that just translated to the car, and, and it, it was just, you know, it was a sign of uh, independence and it was a sign of prosperity and, and all of that. And I think it's, it's a very American thing. Would you say, would it be fair to say that you, in, in your opinion, I mean, I know somewhat in mine, that the automobile was probably the single, single most significant invention of the uh, 20th century? Um, it's certainly one of the most. I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it changed uh, all our lives, there's no question. I mean, it, certainly there's other big things. Electricity was a big one. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that one. That's important. Without that, there would be cars. Um, but, you know, and then, of course, later in the 20th century, you know, the advent of, of uh, you know, I mean, technology taking off and computers and stuff. But, but I'm telling you, you know, the, not only uh, was it was this significant invention and everything, it really was a symbol. I mean, it really, more than electricity or, or more than, than computers or things like that, the, the, the automobile was a symbol of American ingenuity, American prowess, American prosperity, like nothing else. Um, Would you say and, that it's? And, and I think, and, and, and I think, I think that's one of the reasons it's so so woven into our fabric. Now, I do think that's changing a little bit because um, there is now so many diversions and stuff, and kids are even delaying their license. Well, having your license is not so important now. My God, when I was a kid living on a freaking farm <laughs> in the country, believe me, my license was very important to me. You know. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's changing a little bit, but uh, but yeah, I mean the automobile is a is a, is a huge part of American culture. It's often perceived to be an extension of an individual's personality too. When you say, oh, it's definitely an extension of self. It's definitely a statement. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's absolutely no question about it. Uh, you know, there are people, and, and increasingly there are point A to point B, you know, transportation people. But but man. Uh, more often than not, it's a lot more than that. That thing is is your statement. That thing is your, you know, your personality, your character. Uh, you know, it's your it, it's your freedom and your identity. Now, also, just to digress for a second, you're in the motorcycles, and you also have another show too. Tell us a little bit about that. We actually have a number. We've done a number of shows over the years. Um, you know, certainly my classic car is the one that's that uh, stood the test of time. But we produced a popular hot rodding television back in uh, the early 2000s, 2000 uh, and 2001, I think. It ran two seasons on TNN. Then for five seasons, we did Corbin's Ride On. I produced, I was the executive producer on that, and that's a motorcycle show. Mike Corbin of, of you know the, the great seat manufacturer mm-hmm. uh, was the, the uh, title sponsor of that show, and that was a, a motorcycle show. Ran five seasons on Speed. Then we uh, we also did uh, uh, um, we did Texas Hardtails, which was a, ran uh, one season on Speed. It was a very strange kind of improv sitcom based in a motorcycle shop in uh, Dallas, Storkers, Dallas. And then we also did uh, 
uh, a motorcycle touring series. That's that is the one you might be referring to, mm-hmm. which is called Trippin' on Two Wheels, and that that was uh, that it was kind of a series of hour long specials. There were six of them, um, and it was we toured mostly Europe. Um, and it was my son who was 16 at the time, and when the first one, uh, when we did the first one in Scotland, and he rode two up with me, and then also. Uh, a fairly well-known motorcycle photojournalist, uh, uh, Neil Bailey, was the other guy. So the three of us uh, did these great tours. We did Scotland on Triumphs. Then we went to uh, Italy and, and well, actually it was Sicily, and we rode Sicily. And my son rode his own bike for the first time. He was only 17. So we rode Sicily uh, on Motoguzzi's, and then we did Spain on Aprilia Tolonos, and then we did came to North America, and we did Quebec on Buell Ulysses. And then we did. Uh, we went back to Europe, and we did northern Italy and Switzerland on Aprilia Shivers. And then the last one we did, the most recent one we did, we ran. We did here in the U.S. and we rode uh, three of my vintage bikes, uh, uh, thousand miles in four days, uh, from southern Indiana down to uh, St. Augustine, uh, Florida, for a, a motorcycle concourse riding into history. So those have just been. Robert, I mean, those are a blast, uh, and they're just they're beautiful shows, spectacular shows. It's called Tripping on Two Wheels. Now, the uh, you mentioned you went to uh, St. Augustine. There's um, there's a hotel up there, and it's a I can't remember the name, but it's around the big lake, and they basically have the bikes all the way around the lake. That's there. it. That's it. That's okay. It. It's uh, that that's World Golf Village, and mm-hmm. it's, I've, I've been the Grand Marshal of that concourse twice, in their fifth year and in their tenth year, as a matter of fact, and 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 we. That was part of what we did. We we rode those bikes down to the Concorde that I was grand marshalling that year, and it's tenth year. But yeah, that is a gorgeous, gorgeous event. And yeah, I I, I do love motorcycles as much as I love cars. I've, I've ten of those too. Um, so it's uh, you know it's, it's it's a good it's it's good clean fun. What are some of the motorcycles? It's just good clean fun. What are some of the vintage bikes that you have? Let's see, uh, 67 Moto Guzzi V7, a 69 BMW R60-2, a 73 BMW Toaster Tank R75, an 83 BMW, kind of a hot rod, an R80, and then I've got a uh, a 93 R1100 RS BMW, a 98 Triumph, a 98 uh, Moto Guzzi Centaro, and uh, are we up to 10 yet? Uh, a little Honda, uh, Honda Scrambler, uh-huh. 350 Scrambler in 1972. Popular bike. Yeah, Rem- I mean, remember them I mean, well. It's just all fun stuff. I just uh-huh. like stuff that's fun. Cool. Now, do you have any other shows planned? I mean, anything that you're working on right now? Any other shows? Any other concepts? Yeah, we're, well, we're always, I mean, we're always, we're always working on shows. It's, uh, it's a, like I said before, it's a tough, tough business. But uh, we, we uh, have pitched, a, we're pitching a pilot. Uh, uh, show in uh, the uh, kind of traditional hot rod, uh, rockabilly rat rod uh, scene. And then we're also pitching uh, a, a, a pilot in uh, the, red, the vintage motorcycle. Uh, oh, really? Scene. Yeah, so both of those are, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've created the pilots and we're, you know, actively pitching them. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot tougher to do than it used to be, and it was never easy. Uh, but yeah, we're always we're always trying to produce new stuff and, and keep uh, keep moving forward. How about anything with vintage dirt bikes? Because I was always messing around with those. Well, you know, I think that would that would certainly fall into the category of this of this vintage motorcycle show we're doing. And, and mm-hmm. the, the vintage show is really when I say vintage, it's really concentrating on the bikes of the '60s and '70s mm-hmm. primarily. I mean, we'd do some really old stuff, and we'd do some high dollar museum stuff, but it's really the bikes that. You know, kind of led to the bikes we have today, and, mm-hmm. and the cool thing about that is the vintage dirt bikes a little less so because they were just so beat in you know back in the day. But many of these bikes in the sixties and the seventies and eighties and sixties, seventies, eighties are still around. Mm-hmm. You know, and and they're they're very very affordable, and they're pretty cool. You know, they're they're unique and they're fast and they handle well and 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 so they're kind of like accessible classics. It's not like it's not like a Crocker or a you know Brush Superior or something that. Only the Lenos of the world will own, but you know, and Lenos actually got a number of vintage bikes and 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 some vintage dirt bikes. But yes, certainly the uh, the dirt bike part of it, the dirt bike segment, would be part of the 
the vintage bike show that we'd be doing. We have a lot of collectors down here. There's a lot of CZs, old Huskies. I have an old 75 KNM uh, MX5. Oh, no oh yeah, wow. and KTM. I, I rode a uh, Montessa. A Montessa? Was, okay. You know, which is a, a Spanish, Spanish mm-hmm. uh, one lung uh, 250. Yeah, like bull tacos and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. The thing nearly killed me once, but, uh, <laughs> you know. All right. Because the brakes weren't that good when they were wet. <laughs> no. And, of course, the suspension travel back in those days. It wasn't until really, really, really about 70. <laughs> yeah. 78 when they really started, uh, when you started noticing suspension travel and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, um, all right. Well, we've got about three minutes, three, four minutes left here. So uh, let's see. What else could we cover real quick? What uh, What would you say would be one of your favorite um, episodes that you've done? Well, you know, I, I really do like uh, working with Jay. He's just mm-hmm. he's just a great guy, and 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 he's he, he's a lot of fun. It's real intense working with him. Is really really intense because he's hyperactive and he's just you know, I mean, he's just into it. He's into cars, and so man, it's at the end of the day, I'm just I am burned out. But I really <laughs> do like. I, I like working with him. I think that's a lot of fun. How many shows do you have planned to land? Uh, now, you know, I, I, I met you one time at Silver Springs. That's the big show, uh-huh. the Mustang show that yeah. uh, Schmidt and them put on. NPD, yeah. Right. Are you going to be, and it's in a couple weeks. It's, I think, two, three it weeks. It is. It's like usually the end of January, I think. Or January, For, the first week in January, January right? yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, it's funny because we were kind of chatting about that. I shot it once. I'd like to go back there. And we shoot every year with uh, Rich Schmidt or, or Jim, his dad. Mm-hmm. Because they've got such a fabulous collection themselves, my God, you know, all they kind of specialize in low mileage, unrestored, original cars. Yeah, they got a, they got a forty two uh, Lincoln Continental with six hundred and forty five miles on it. You know, they've got a couple Fords from the sixties that were never even dealer prepped. You know, so I mean, I, I that's another great collection. But I'd like to come back down. I'd love to do the Silver Spring show again. Super. Well, hey, uh, Dennis, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. I think, Cedric, what do we got? We got a minute left or something like that? Something like that? But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Do you want to plug your website real quick so people can go check that out? Yes, yeah, same as the show, myclassiccar.com. Okay. Um, and there's fun stuff there. But, Robert, I thoroughly enjoyed this, um, and, and here I am sitting at home, and you hear the clock striking seven. So, <laughs> Meanwhile, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Dennis, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Everybody else, thank Merry you. Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. I want everybody to drive carefully, stay safe, love your family. Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll be back next week. We have no guests. We're going to do an open show, but we're going to thank everybody. It's going to be a cool show next week. So be sure and tune in next week at 7 o'clock to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, okay, at the WTAN, Tantalk 1340 Station.